Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week we're sitting down with Thomas, a.k.a. Mr. Longhair from the Something Awful Forums. I've known Thomas for a long time. Uh, me and him kind of developed karmic justice builds alongside one another over in the Dark Souls 1 thread, Something Awful. And uh, since that happened, we've become kind of internet buds and talk on Twitter a lot about Dark Souls and video games in general. Um, he's here to tell us all about his experiences getting into Dark Souls, um, becoming internet famous in Japan, and uh, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting story. And uh, yeah, just talking about various PvP stuff and all that. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode. If you'd like to have your story told on the podcast and uh, to come on and talk with me about your Souls origin story, uh, send me an email at dguspodcast at gmail.com or send me a DM at dguspodcast on Twitter. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Can you tell me about the first time you played a Souls game? I first played my my first Souls game was Dark Souls, the very first one in 2012, but. The way I got into it, the way I started it, the way I even got convinced to even try it, even buy it, let alone buy it, was a long process that started in late 2011, <coughs> 2011. Some things happened and I became internet famous in Japan as a very funny foreigner for the whole crew community about for a celebrity game streamer. One of a kind that's far more tolerable than anything the West has ever had. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Dogma Kasami is his name. Okay. He does retro games he has done. Dark Souls 2, though. Time went on, and early 2012, I got a Twitter account. I, They wanted me to go get it, because that's like the one Facebook alternative they used in Japan. It's Twitter okay. and Line. And, uh, well, with my friendship with the big streamer, he spread the word and I got followers. Hundreds and hundreds of them. Also Nico Video. So, slowly getting to know them one by one, checking out their streams and communities, I came upon a certain someone streaming Dark Souls. And that's where the fun begins. That was... Uh, towards 2012 that I got into checking out that stream. It was a lady with a voice sounding like a bike biker gang leader, but with a kind, welcoming personality and a cute, acceptable grasp of the English language. At the time, mm -hmm. I knew the game was a follow-up to Demon Souls in a way, but no longer an exclusive. <coughs> I was never interested in it, actually. Not at all. I had put it to, to the side, like those hardcore PC strategy games. The ones where you absolutely stimulate hundreds of years. It, it just Like the, the reputation kind of intimidated yeah. you into not playing it. It looked, mm -hmm. it's looked and sounded everywhere like the move, die, move, die, hardcore, unfunny, uncomfortably hard. People made it sound like they, they were tearing their hair out over it. 
And yeah, yeah, you, you kind of get think things when you hear and when everything you see and hear about the game sounds like that. But here's the thing, the important thing we can all learn from. Watching her stream the game for two weeks, I saw someone having fun, laughing at deaths and mistakes, making friends and helping people out. That is what convinced me to pick it up, the limited edition, so that my purchase for Final Fantasy XIII PS3 could get dusted off and used again. It was to see that Dead Dark Souls was not a horrible, unkillable beast out to kill you, but instead a game doing what a game does. Digital entertainment you do for fun. So the key may have been the Japanese mindset of things. It's not super hardcore, super serious. It's not being an angry YouTuber gimmick. It's being a laughing person, laughing, smiling, happy person. That's the, that's the internet famous celebrity game streamer I'm, I'm talking about. He, he laughs and smiles, sometimes he uh, roars, smacks a joypad in, in, in table in anger, playing a really bad game. But we need to learn, the West needs to learn from Japan. Well, you know, the game arrived, I started streaming it on Nico video. She became my summon babe, and in the greatest weeks, months, years of gaming in my life began. The fondest memories were spending three, four hours dying in Sans Fortress together with her in the most hilarious ways with swinging axes and traps. I was frustrated from the affair, but her laughter on the other end got me to where I am today. And Bed of Chaos is still the dickiest dick of a boss. <laughs> what, um... When you first started playing Dark Souls for yourself, uh, did you gravitate towards any particular build? Um, or did you just kind of go in and try to learn everything from... I guess just tell me about your first experience with it, like when you when you first started the game the first time. I went with Master Key. <laughs> That's a bit of a weakness so you, you were, the game has, definitely. It's messy. You, so you kind of knew what was up with the, with the game at that point. Yeah, I, I had my viewers guide me a little, little bit in my decision making. I don't remember what class, though. I went multitasking like I did with a later Souls game. I knew about the skeletons and going down that path by watch, watching winning out of Giant Bomb in a quick look, though. Good times. Oh yeah, absolutely. Are you um what? I guess watching your your watching the streams that eventually led you into playing the game was it the mechanic side or was it the lore side or I guess what 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 finally brought you into it besides just people having a good time? Mm. But like, what about the game specifically got you into it? Well, it was all about gameplay, just like with how I imported Dark Souls 3 on March, March 23rd. What I missed out on was item descriptions and lore that make, made perfect sense at first glance and waiting three weeks for the game release. That's what I missed out on. It's all about the gameplay for me. 
well, 99%. The lore is a wonderful, wonderful, amazing bonus. But you don't particularly, like, you're, you're not much of a lore person then at all. Like, you don't, do you, like, look, you don't look up through and try to figure out the stories or anything like that. You're, you're purely a mechanics kind of guy. Mm, yeah, really. I, I'm in it for the gameplay. It's the interactive part. But, of course, when you, well, with Dark Souls 3, some, some of the lore that came out after the Japanese version... It gave me some serious, oh, wow, experiences. Um, mm-hmm. wow. If you haven't finished it yet, please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fairly far. Um, by the time this comes out, I, don't, I won't feel bad for saying that I, I just defeated the Corrupted King. And um, I'm kind of exploring some optional areas. Uh, oh, and. Yeah, yeah. There's there's one particular boss I found yesterday that I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to beat. Um the the King of Storms, if you're familiar with that one. That's a oh, yeah, seems the to be one, one that would take hell of a boss. My health out in a single hit. Yes, Come yes. On, that that happened to me as well. <laughs> Here's some fire. Whoops, you burned to death. Well, spe- well speaking about lore and stuff, really I I get to, I get to remember my time in Dark Souls one, and um, yeah, it was gameplay, gameplay summoning my friend and having a blast. I was <laughs> I was like a scared little kitten. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's one of my favorite moments in a in a Souls game is creeping around corners with like your shield held up and not knowing what's next and just trying to figure out something um, like, or not trying to figure out something, but like terrified of what's going to come around the other side of the, of the corner. You know, mm. I've, I've had a lot of those moments in dark souls three as well. And it's, it's always kind of fascinating. Like it's just, it's just, it's just claustrophobic and scary. Like it's, it's really fun. I don't, I can't really think of another game that gives me that feeling. Indeed. Some, some say, Souls games have a little horror element to them. For me, the horror element is fearing for the life of my character. You know the rafters up in Anor Londo? Very well. Uh, yeah, wow. I, I, I'm still lost for words. I, I see speedrunners not give a damn, not even move the camera stick. <laughs> they just run across. I can't do that. I need to nudge forward a little, little bit. Uh, my summoning, summoning friend, she she knew where to go. She knew what to do, but she stayed back. She was cool, cool and respectable. But she would help fend off enemies I couldn't quite figure out. But she wouldn't lead you through the level by the nose or anything. She would let you figure it out for Indeed. yourself. We can all learn a little, little from her also. Yeah, I've, I've been finding it interesting seeing people summoned for um, Dark Souls 3 just to clear the levels. And that's that's never been something that I do in Dark Souls. Like, I usually clear the levels by myself, try to fight the boss, and then if I'm having trouble with the boss, I'll usually put my summon sign down in order to practice. And then when I, once I feel like I've had enough practice, I'll try myself solo for a while. 
And then once that doesn't work, I'll just summon a bunch of people and we'll go in and mess the boss up. But like, we have it really weirds me out. Approach for Souls games. That's good to hear. Yeah, I I don't understand people that summon for the levels. Like I, I just why would you ever do that? That seems kind of boring. Oh, my invasion characters have a lot of things to say about people like that. <laughs> Well, that's one reason I wanted to have you on this on this podcast is because you and I became friends. Uh, God, it, it, I guess it has to be years ago now. Um, oh, yeah. When we were both doing Karmic Justice builds um, and we started talking about it in the Dark Souls thread on Something Awful. Um, we'll, we'll get to the Karmic Justice stuff in a minute mm. because I definitely want to talk to you about that. But uh, when... When did you make your first PvP character? Or when did you decide that you were going to get really into the PvP? I cannot even remember when I first found these Karmic Justice videos, but it was from a chat on Twitter. One of my many Japanese friends. Possibly the one who runs Dark Souls Marath instead of just Marathon. It was some brightly colored character in Honor Londo with those with the usual set for increased magical power. Doing all kinds of goofy things in Honor Londo. But uh, I did get a character I like that made sorcerers with very high int. And I quickly decided this should be doable sooner. And one thing led to another and I got a level 30 character made. It was still powerful enough to instigate one shot upwards of 1114 health. And that's the birth of my Karmic Justice career and really that's the birth of my first PvP character that I can remember. Up until then, I do not remember doing any PvP. My PvP in Dark Souls 1 began and ended with Karmic Justice. Oh, that was it. So you didn't have any other... Um, oh, I had You a didn't have just like a normal invasion build or anything like that? I had Twinks, I had Boxers, I had Dragon Dudes. I had some role players. I definitely had some Silver Knight Archers for Honor Londo, yes. <laughs> That's a fun one, all right. <laughs> what about it? Um, so I guess I guess real quick to talk about what uh, Karmic Justice is, because me and you both love this spell, and it's it's pretty, kind of a weird spell, and it, nobody really... There's not a lot of people that use it in Dark Souls 1. It's a um, rewarding challenge. It, it is. It's a very rewarding challenge. Can you give your kind of like karmic justice 101 brief description on how the spell works and just basically how the spell works it's a bit of a buff that you call up it lasts um, minutes I must say it works in such a way that if you are hit five or more times in under a few seconds you explode the damage dealt by the explosion is based on uh, how close the targets are to you, I'm quite certain. And your uh, magic reinforcement, that attribute. So for Lobis, it may be best to carry a 
Ascended Pyroglove plus 5. And that's how we did it on the level 30. So really, bam, 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 bam. Kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> and Kaboom is the best part. Greatest <laughs> thing. You get to explode. Emotionally. Emotionally. Also, in the best ways. It feels good. I um, I think it 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 does something in Dark Souls One PvP, and that it subverts people's natural tendencies. And I think that's what I enjoyed about it so much. A lot of PvP fights are just a bunch of R one spamming. In other words, people just swinging their swords wildly. So with this, assuming that you could, assuming that you had enough health to survive, you could just tank the hits and then explode, and then it would, depending on how you had it tweaked out would literally just ex- kill the other person <laughs> and they had no idea what would happen. And it is so much fun. <laughs> I, when, so, most of my death, most of my explosions were from deaths or after deaths, really. Like the one guy I ambushed by the Anolondo archers. I died to his melee, but he kept attacking my corpse. <laughs> <laughs> That was a funny thing, and I I noticed uh, I noticed Dark Souls Three does this too. That you can continue taking um, you can, your meters basically fill up even after you die. Um, so in this case, the Karmic Justice meter is five hits, and if they kept whacking your dead body as you were falling down, it would trigger Karmic Justice eventually. I, I love the suicide bombs. Like it's I don't the phrase suicide bombs has a lot of negative connotation and for very obvious reasons, but this is just the video game and just going through and literally killing yourself to kill your opponents in a video game is fucking hilarious. I love it so much. It's a unique form of PvP combat. One that I I'm holding out for the DS3 DLC. Praying. <laughs> I need to get some contacts in Japan closer to FromSoft. Yeah, we need to, we need we need to start a, a letter writing campaign or something so that we can get it put back in the game. Although at this point, I feel like the, my last few Karmic Justice invasions in Dark Souls One is more um, people kind of knew what was up at that point. Like as soon as they see you with the purple glow, like they kind of figured it out. Yeah, because I've I've had several people like would hit me three times and then just back <laughs> off and then hit me three times and then back off. So. Clever girl. Mm-hmm. Um. So you finished Dark Souls one, and you developed this Karmic Justice gimmick, and you did a lot of PvP. Did you ever go back to Demon Souls from there? Demon Souls, yes, no, on and off. I lost my save games at least twice. I don't know how, but eventually I had to um, use a mule save to get back into Demon Souls. Hmm. No, there's no. I don't think there's any anything wrong with that at all. Especially when you lo- lose your game saves. Exactly. Did you did you find the obviously the atmosphere is quite different from Dark Souls One. Did you find going back and losing some of those quality of life improvements? Did you find that difficult to work with, or were you just Absolutely. as enthusiastic? Demon as, Souls, Dark Souls One, both would benefit from a HD remake kind of deal oh, that were given the engines, quality of life improvements, movement sets and much more from the later games. Just look at certain parts of Dark Souls 3 and think a little. 
<laughs> Imagine if a certain area had been the size of... Hmm, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the area sizes in the latest games are just significantly larger than anything in the previous games. So it's it would be quite exciting to see stuff expended on in the previous games like that. I, w- I would love to see that. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but I, I would love to see it. Ah, mm, uh, yes, regarding PvP, I, I made gimmick accounts, account names, just for the sake of extra, extra work in, extra roleplay, extra effect, maybe even that. In, yeah, t- talk about some of your some of your extra PSN accounts for First me. I'm kind of curious about this. Fallen Solar suggested by the forum thread because I wanted to roleplay Solar one way or or another and, and to make people think: Is that an NPC or is it not? I managed to invade a certain Vinny Caravella on Giant Bomb and get that character immortalized on video. Oh yeah. After this, you need to um, you need to send me the link. I've never seen that. You need to send me the link to that so I can um, include it in the show notes, but also just so I can see it. Me. But I, I went around and threw some poop around. Excellent. Uh, I w- wanted to make a K-Man also, so I created the account MeAmTrog, in caps, <laughs> based on the <laughs> Fallout 2 LP of Trog. Uh, he looks like the typical K-Man. Absolutely amazing, perfect face in Dark Souls 1 for the character. Still got screenshots, still trying to figure out how to replicate it for Dark Souls 3, which has easy access to clubs and very effective Mm. gameplay, invasions, and methods for this. You can easily play a mad person. And then there are, are the rings that will really make people think you are an NPC. Yeah, with the white phantom rings and things like that. Oh, yeah. And, and we should explain that um, for anybody that hasn't gone back to play these games or, or didn't do PvP on the PS3, um, back back then you had no option to display character names in PvP. You would always see the person's PSN name or Xbox Live name. And since PSN accounts were free, you could just easily make these like throwaway accounts Pretty, and they would actually appear in game as Fallen Solaire or Me Am Trog. <laughs> so these are all quite good. <laughs> I love this stuff. Nowadays it's a little easier since the you know people can see your actual character name or or not. And that's why I like to double up and be extra safe that somebody sees me for who I am. <laughs> are you replicating Me Am Trog and Fallen Solaire in oh, yes. Dark Souls Three? Oh, yes. yes. Nice. A bunch of Fallen Solaire. Somewhere out there, people are, are talking about a weird-ass Solaire that suddenly invaded them or summoned <laughs> them or had been, some, had been or got summoned by them to help out in some weird, really weird ways. I also made a certain Knight, Holy Knight uh, Hodrick account, but uh, getting the armor set for that one is so difficult and painful. I haven't, I haven't really bothered. Did you... I guess after... Let me back up for a minute. I know you eventually went back to Demon Souls. I should have asked earlier after after Dark Souls. Did you go back to Demon Souls or did you did you play Dark Souls two next? What was your next game in the series? I was going to do Dark Souls two, but my PS three lost the HDMI output, and I I could have played through composite output, but it was just too horrible in quality. 
and it would have been by the pass-through of a piece of crap mass-produced to video capture unit. I could not accept that, so I simply went for PlayStation 4 activities instead. So you did you play Dark Souls 2? Only the network test. I did a bunch of Only invading in that one. But I remember I did not like the invasion timer deal. Yeah, yeah, that that put a real big damper on me too. Invasion tools. <laughs> what um so did you not play Dark Souls 2 at all? I'm, I'm sorry I keep asking that. I just that kind of shocks me. I thought you had played the... Still a Dark Souls 2 virgin. Got it installed and ready to be played. Or do you think you're going to actually go back to it at this point? Oh, yeah. Maybe I want to try getting platinum of Dark Souls 3 first. I like to give it to games that deserve it, like Tokyo Jungle. Yeah, I don't... True Dark Souls. <laughs> I bought that game and did not make it very far into it. I uh, It's on PlayStation now, um, so I, I might I might go back to it one day. One day Dude, but... it has story. Story like a mofo. It is Dark Souls. <laughs> no kidding. It plays a lot like Dark Souls, huh? From a sideways viewed perspective, yes. Hmm. And in, in that you, you you die a lot, and then you become the master. So what did you what did you do between if you've never play, if you weren't playing Dark Souls two when it came out? What did you do between Dark Souls one and Bloodborne? Like I, I mean, obviously there's other games to play, but like I can't imagine you being a, a big fan of the series and then just <laughs> just more Dark Souls one. That was it. Yep. <laughs> nice. The last stuff I did on PS3 version was. Until until I took a break and, well, before Bloodborne, I did more comic justice business. I recorded mm-hmm. the final invasions and they were super successful. A bunch of three hit kills, three crew kills in Anor Londo and, and so on. <clears throat> and so, things went on. <laughs> So Bloodborne uh, came out, and that was kind of a... It's a pretty significant departure and from, from the previous Souls games, not only in terms of story and lore and mechanics, but also from the PvP system. You got way more into the PvP of Bloodborne um, than I did. And I know you had dedicated, dedicated builds. You want to talk a little bit about them for us? Yep. I got more into the Bloodborne PvP than I even expected. I had my dislikes for it right from the start, right from the get-go. I got, again, inspired by Japan. Uh, Mr. Beto, Beto, on YouTube, had a stake stake driver video. You know, the weapon everybody disregarded as a gimmick and being useless. I copied, modified his build for level 70, got, got running and got super successful had so much fun because it there's just like comic justice there's a challenge in using the weapon in getting the big the largest most powerful kaboom explosion the one shot the one shot possible attack that's what i need that's what i want that's what i hope to find in 
Dark Souls 3 when the DLC comes. Something like that. Something with amazing, huge potential. But also a lot of risk. Something that has me... Something that's going to get me killed 99 out of 100 times, but reward me 1 out of 100 times. That's what I need. That's what I want. <laughs> that That's exactly the reason I got, I think, so addicted to karmic justice, is that when it happens, like you get that rush and it feels so good that, that one time that it makes up for not having it the other 99 times. It becomes a passion. It becomes a passion. Excellent, Excellent way to phrase that. Were you? Did you make any other weird builds in in Bloodborne? Really, I couldn't find anything else that worked, other than yeah. hanging out, out in the up in the rafters in uh, the research hall and um, sending people down to their doom. <laughs> <laughs> We're using the um, it was whatever hunter's tool that made the hunter's explosion and the that very hunter's tool, yes. Yes. Okay. I think it was like a wolf something or another. I can't, I can't remember the name of it though, but were you a fan of Bloodborne coming out of Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls? Like just as a, as a game by itself outside of any PVP context? Before Dark Souls 3 came and I got to experience all of that, I, I felt a little down on Bloodborne. Like I got bored enough to uninstall it in December, but I let it linger until late February. But you know, coming out of blood, out of Dark Souls Three, I gained so much new appreciation appreciation for Bloodborne. I believe that the two titles cannot be compared; that they should not be, be considered even relatives, even fam- not even family members. They are both unique experiences, having their own positives and negatives. But they're very, I mean, at, the, at, the, at their core, though, like they play very similar to one another. Uh, yeah. I know Bloodborne doesn't have shields and it's much faster, but there's a, there's a lot of shared DNA between the two games, I think. I think Dark Souls 3 took a lot from Bloodborne. I'm going to return to Bloodborne eventually. But I, I still think if Dark Souls 3 is A++, Bloodborne is A++ also. That's what I feel in my heart after all this time and all these games. Though the PvP thing in Bloodborne kind of sucks. As, yeah, as, as easy as it is to defeat a host and summons in Bloodborne with my 1170 build compared to de- winning any PvP invasion in Dark Souls 3. Huh. Ah, these people. New bonfire, <laughs> new song. I gotta summon, crack a finger, summon another fool. Then I invade. All right, got my ass on the Eisen Price. Oh, hey, two blue shiny dudes coming my way. Great. Do you find the, um, since the invasion mechanics in Dark Souls 3 seem to lean a little bit more in favor of the host than they ever have before, do you, do you find the various invasion phantoms that are hostile to one another, the blues versus the reds, do you find them working together more to kill the host, or do you find them... Similar in Dark Souls 1, where uh, if a red and a blue ever met, it was like they would hate each other immediately and try to kill one another. I have actually found hosts using friends for summons, and a friend as an additional summon by the means of the of the purple Moundmaker's Covenant. Disgusting. Uh. Uh, 
<laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all, though. Doesn't surprise me. Oh man, might as well just release an aimbot wall hack auto walk for these games. <laughs> It's going oh, to get better over time, I'm sure, and we are eventually going to get more than one host-only invasion per day. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I hope so. I haven't, I haven't dug into the Dark Souls three PvP as much as I, as much as I'm going to. Um, mm. I, I haven't dug into the game as much as I've wanted to. I took all week off last week to play it when it came out, and for the listeners out there, this is being recorded in the week after Dark Souls was released. Um, but I still haven't finished the game. I'm, I'm just dying to finish it so I can go look up everything that I've I've missed <laughs> that I haven't done. I really recommend uh, wrapping it up before making alts and PvP characters and the likes. You get a little oh, I, I will. I, I was um I always finish the game first before I start on any of that stuff. Good wise man. Um. What do you, what do you think it is about? I mean, obviously you, you said it was the mechanics, but what what very specifically do you think draws you so much into these games over other kind of games that are out there? They are unique, simply unique. They dare to punish mistakes the way other games do not. Die in Call of Duty game, you are right back in there in the terrorist shooting gallery, having to shoot another one hundred one hundred of them before you get to go to the next room. Dark Souls games, Bloodborne, you are on your own unless you summon. It's you versus the world. It's player skill and ability to learn. That's in the focus. I cannot come up with any other games in the history of gaming that focus so much on the player, what the player has, what the player can become than Souls. Soulspawn games. I think that's a good summation of the Souls games in general. I've certainly got games that I have nearly completed, but and cannot really get everything done in because I'm not that good of a player. But those games are just rude, absolutely one hundred percent rude against the player. <laughs> When you take on these optional <laughs> objectives, like in one of those un- untranslated, unlocalized Yakuza games, There's, mm-hmm. there are optional optional dun- dungeons that lead to extra story content, legitimate, legitimate story content that extends the story, lets you learn more about more about the world and why things are the way they are. But I cannot proceed. It's like. Level one run to Bloodborne. NG plus six. In a defiled curse dungeon. That's how bad it is. On my fully geared out geared out character. Jeez. But you know, that doesn't Dark even sound Dark fun. Dark and Bloodborne, they they are fair game, man. Even I still die to Udex Gundir sometimes. I still die die to the Ushigatana man. I still like to watch sometimes. But you know what? It's all because of me. I can still get better. <laughs> you can literally get good, right? Oh, yeah. 
Well, Thomas, uh, tell, tell the people at home if they want to go watch any of your videos or they want to find you on the internet, where, where could they do so? Oh, that's right. Hmm. I see. I, I went and registered a new YouTube account because I wanted to get a fresh start because my old one is from 2007 and a big old mess. <laughs> I'm not sure how you are supposed to find it, though. <laughs> what's the, uh, the, the what's the channel the name? name? And I can the put name it in is, the V V V Audio. In a in a in a single word. Okay. It's meant to be for my audio engineering, music stuff, and also my new take on the YouTube gaming thing. Excellent. Namely, yeah, namely Zero BSG, Zero Bullshit Gaming, which is a little passion of mine, something people have wanted. My original YouTube account, which still has some Dark Souls and Bloodborne material on it, well worth watching, is uh, Japanese. Mamiya645. M-A-M-Y-A. Ah, a Tabrian insert. And your Twitter account, if they want to look you up? Oh, my Twitter account is mainly a crazy Japanese thing where I type poorly done Japanese, hang out with my Japanese friends, and occasionally speak English or other languages. It's at uh, mark denledefi. Denledefi. You know, you wrote into our, um, uh, my other podcast, Dark Inside Podcast, and um, we were reading through the tweets on the show and we got to yours and uh the our guest it was our guest turn and <laughs> that poor guy and i had no idea how to pronounce it either so it's nice to hear that word said out loud but yeah he we, we all struggled trying to figure out how to pronounce it <laughs> it's old swedish um, or something that means something that means something like the the sworn enemy is from the old uh, times that we were in war and such oh interesting well, thank you for uh, taking the time to come on the show and talk talk about your experiences with Souls. I, I really appreciate you. It's appreciate been a it. And I um, look forward to spitting some Dark Souls Three lore with you when you are completed. Oh yes, and I'm looking forward talk. to that. I'm hoping that um, I'll have time tomorrow evening or the next night uh, to do it. My, my all of my time has been consumed with this podcast thing, so um, I'm hoping to have some free time tomorrow night to knock it out. But for the listeners out there, um, I've been Jeremy Greer. Um, you can find me at JG Greer on Twitter. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. And you can find it online as well at darkinsight.net, along with the other podcasts that I mentioned. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>